Are you ready to go offside? Because it's Offside Hockey Talk with your host, James Roberts. What's going on, guys? James from Offside Hockey Talk sitting down today with the one and only Tic Tac to Omar. Did I say that right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Tic Tac to Omar. That's, that's what it is. <laughs> I actually find it a pretty funny when, um, when I first started. I think when I first got the shout out from uh, Steve Dangle and his L- LFR, and um, all I heard was Tic Tac Omar. And I was like, sweet i got a shout i got a shout out i didn't even like realize um uh, say my say my handle and after then uh again he referenced me on the podcast and said, uh, said the same thing and then it wasn't until someone on twitter um uh tagged me in a tweet and said like steve i think you're uh you're missing the, the hilarious irony of um omar's uh, twitter handle and he's like and after this he was like oh my god yeah I realize it. So, uh, yeah, Tic Tac Omar. If you want to do Tic Tac Omar, that's totally fine. Um, but, uh, yeah, thanks for having me back on. It's been, it's been a while. It's been it's... a while since we last talked. So, uh, it's cool well, to be back. last time we talked, we were talking about every single Leaf player going to Carolina to be a uh, package <laughs> deal to get us a defenseman. And, you know, Babcock was still in the defense. coach. And, you know, <laughs> yeah, we were all driving defense. horse and buggy. I mean, yeah, I mean, we did, we did make a deal with Carolina. Um, it it did its job. Um, I guess if you, you want to uh, talk about it that way, but you know we were half right there. They did make a trade. Um, it wasn't for a defenseman, but it was for something they desperately needed, and that is cap space. So uh, that was cool. <laughs> yeah, no. See, we had our prediction hats on. We got it right. We and they use that money to go out and get a defenseman. So you know they got the albatross that is Cody Cece, and also. Depending on what side of the fence you are on, they also got Tyson Berry with some of that space. So, you know, either or, they got the defenseman we were talking about, just not out of Carolina, but it was by proxy because of Carolina. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Now, I got to ask you, before we jump into talking about the NHL and the Leafs and all that fun stuff, you're doing gifts, and obviously they are amazing, they are awesome, and it comes at a time when the other account that used to do them all the time, the Flintor, is not there. I'm wondering what made you study, practice, and, you know, get your black belt in being a gift master. I'm wondering where you did this and <laughs> what made you want to do this? Um, yeah, well, I think basically how I, I guess, started wanting to do this whole thing was I remember when, you know, in, when you're kind of younger, you know, just in high school, whatever, you can watch the games all the time because you're always at home. Uh, you know, those evening games, Saturday night, Saturday nights, you know, Hockey Night in Canada, that type of thing. But then as you kind of grow old, you can't watch every single game, so you have to watch highlights. But then I noticed, I'm like, geez, man, like every time I go and try to watch a highlight pack, like they, they show me things I don't really want to see. Like I just wanted to see the goals. Um, so I guess I kind of sympathize with that and then and kind of wanting to have, I guess, help provide a platform for people who, you know, if you missed the game or if there was a, a really cool moment that you wanted to see that you can just go online and after then just be able to see it over and over and not, and not being too difficult. Um, at the same time, also, like the site that I that I write for, Pigeon Plant Puppets, I also thought it'd be a cool, I guess, tool for them to use as well when they're doing their recaps or and not even just them, like anyone who wants to pretty much, because when you're explaining something in an article, whether you're breaking it down in, in paragraph form or you're using advanced stats or whatever, it's nice to have a visual component for the reader to see. So, you know, it's it's nice to see, you know, like, for example, you'll say, you know, Rasmus Sandin has been 
Uh, you know, he's very poised to the puck. He makes decisions even in high-pressure situations. And then to have, like, a little vi- little video gif thing to kind of support that is, is I guess, is a nice little connecting between um between the words and what you're saying and, and allowing the audience, I guess, to understand where you're going about it. Um, so that's, that's it's very multi-layered of why, why I do it. Um, I think it's really fun. I really enjoy doing it. Um, I always smile when, you know, I'm watching the game. I you know, I'm, I'm on Twitter, and after then, I get like a, I get like a mention, like oh, oh, Omar, can you, oh, Omar, did you see that? Can you get that? Um, <laughs> like I always do, I always, do, and I start laughing, and after then, I, I record it. Um, but yeah, it's it's been really fun. Um, it's been awesome. I think another thing that's been cool too, that as I've got to connect with the other uh, leaf skiffers, I guess that's what people are calling. Um, us. I don't know. I don't want. I want to say us. I want to make it seem like we're the Avengers or anything. But um, Gift it's, Nation. it's been really cool to you guys like um like Leafs all day. Uh, Leafs in my opinion. Uh, Jacqueline Taylor. Um, uh, David Nestego, and then obviously Flintor. You know, he's Flintor is is the pinnacle of of uh, of Leafs gifts. Like um, even though you know he's he hasn't been um been around to, to watch them or uh, to gift and stuff. You know, he's still. The things he's able to see are hilarious, and then um, like I'll be gifting, I'll go on Twitter and after then like he'll put something up and I'm like, whoa, I, I didn't even catch that. <laughs> but it's honestly, it's it's been really fun. It's been a really cool experience. And again, like I think the the biggest thing that I've gained from this is is being able to connect with so many people, so many accounts, um, you know, and just different conversations, and not even just about gifting, just about you know Lee's fandom as a whole. And, you know, as, as annoying as the rest of the hockey world thinks we are, you know, these fans are pretty great to associate with. So it's been awesome to do. Well, yeah, Leafs fans are amazing to associate with. And I thought it was kind of weird because I, I followed you on your other account, obviously. And then all of a sudden <laughs> you were no longer there and quiet. And then this other account popped up and I knew it immediately. So I sent you a DM on that account. And obviously we laughed about it because... I knew it was you. End of story. There was no no difference between the two, but because I remember we had a conversation where I wanted you to, to join on the show for something, and you were talking uh, about the fact that you were going to be gifting that night, so you couldn't do it. And you know, I thought that was pretty awesome. Then all of a sudden, radio silence, and then boom, you know, the new account was born, and there you are. Uh, and... My my identity has been found. listen your identity was found a long time ago and also i do believe you just solved something for steve dangle because he and adam wilde and jesse blake think that the flintor is actually like a crew of flintors not just one person (laughs) but you said he was a a singularity person just one entity so now we can put that to bed too that he's just an absolute snipe show when it comes to gifting so you uh yeah, well, two mysteries yeah, in one he's, there. He's great. So, now that you're doing this all the time, have you caught a moment that you didn't expect to catch and it just went viral? At least viral uh, by your standards? Hmm. See, it's funny. I guess the, the, the moments, I guess the, the gifts that I make that go viral are, I guess, the ones that everyone notices at first mm. and then they're like, oh my gosh, I wish I could see that again. Like, the, the most recent one was um, the clip of Matthews and Marner after their latest game. Uh, I think, I'm pretty sure it was after uh, Matthews scored the Hatcher goal, and then uh, uh, Marner kind of says, like, hey, and then Matthews turns around, and he kind of makes it, and then Marner makes a little face at him. And it's kind of like a nice way to, like, to see how their friendship has, has grown and, and how them as players have grown and how it's awesome to see them play together. Um, I don't I, I don't know, I don't know off the top of my head if there's been something that I didn't expect to go viral that did. 
because um, usually if you know if, if I don't see it if, if if I see it then other people have seen it um I know like a couple one a couple of them that have been pretty funny uh that have gotten obviously you know Matthews uh you know flipping the stick uh, I think it was to Riley when it was on was on the ground that was Didn't amazing look. yeah that was cool um Hmm. I don't know. I guess on my old on my older account, um, uh, Kadri, um, I think it was a game against San Jose, and Kadri got into it with uh, Carlson, not um, Eric Carlson, the other Carlson, Melker Carlson, um, yeah. and then he, he literally just ripped his stick and then did like a Batista backflip and Oh, I remember that. Yes, because that was the game where Goudreau or or Goodrow, whatever his name is, was going after him all night long, and then he just had enough. Yeah. And he just took the stick yeah, out of yeah. his hands and gave him the look like, if you do one more thing, I will beat you over the head with the stick, and then threw it away. Yeah, exactly. He just lost <laughs> it. So like, like those type of moments were awesome. Another, actually, no, I do, I do have one on, on mind. Um, it was a game. I'm pretty sure it was like the first week of the season, or at least the first month. And the Leafs are facing the Habs. Um, Matthew scores, and then literally as he's celebrating, he has his arms in the air and he's going towards the glass. He's like staring down someone in a Habs jersey who's like ripping, it's like giving it to him. But he just has no expression on it. It was, it was hilarious. So that was probably uh, one of the bigger moments. And actually, I think uh, thinking about it now, because after that went out, then I, that's when like some of like the, the more known accounts started to follow me, like Faisal Kamisa. Like he started following me after that, and he retweeted it, which was sick. It was really cool. Um, so yeah, probably that one. That one was a uh, pretty funny, uh, pretty funny story to happen. <laughs> Well, I gotta ask you. There, there's a moment that just happened, and obviously, it has been snapshot, has been replayed, has been sent everywhere, and the man himself has actually gone after a few people on social media for it. It's the Brad Marchand missing the puck on the penalty shot. Um, I know yeah. you've seen this. I'm wondering, a, what your thoughts are on Marchand missing it. Obviously, as Leaf fans, we freaking love it, but obviously, there's a, you know, I want to hear your side of it for you know gifting it, and then also. Um, what do you think of his reaction calling people peasants and basically calling people down? I want to know uh, both your answers on that one. Yeah, well, as far as it happening, um, I'm going to take you back to a dark place. Oh, uh, so when the Leafs faced uh, Boston in Game 7, um, there was a moment where literally all of these nations thought we did it. We're going to beat them. And that was after Kapanen stripped Marshan on the penalty kill and then scored on the breakaway. I laughed so hard. I was like, yes, this is perfect. That's going to be the game-winning goal. We're finally going to do it. And then obviously he got tainted by, you know, Boston coming up and being what Boston is, and then no playoffs for the Leafs anymore. So to see the Martian uh, event happen, and then also have it such that him not getting an attempt at all literally gave Philadelphia the win, because right afterwards there was no, like, like, Boston had to score for them for them for it to continue, so that was sweet for it to happen. Um, the event as a whole that happens all the time. Um, I, I tweeted about it a couple of days ago, like it happened in Tavares against against Philly. You know, everyone you know you know chirped and ripped on him and stuff. I'm pretty sure it's it's it happens like a couple times a year. Just just whatever you know. Sometimes you know you, you think you have the puck, you don't. You know, maybe you're you're holding your stick run properly, or it takes a great bounce on you or something. It happens. So it, it, it's just whatever. It's hilarious that his goal that it was Martian, though, and and the, the context of how it cost him the game in air quotes. But um, <laughs> as for his um, as for his response to it, I think it just pretty much because when you do something like that, 
obviously it upset you, and he's trying to play it off like it didn't upset him, but it did. I mean, like, why would you tweet a picture of yourself winning the Stanley Cup when that was back in 2011? I mean, like, cool, sweet, you won the Cup. You know, that's something that, you know, Leafs fans aren't going to be able to you know, empathize with, at least not in our lifetime, because, you know, it's been a while. But, um, <laughs> you know, just, just to do that, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, you know, make fun of me, but I won the Stanley Cup. I'm like, cool, man. I mean, like, there have been a lot of people who have won the Stanley Cup and still have goofs. I still laugh. Like, again, something else I tweeted, um, like, Patrick Hornquist, like, he has two Stanley Cups, but he ripped up a, a puck off the crossbar and it bounced back and hit him in the head. He started bleeding. I laughed. You know, it's just, it's regardless, it's still funny. So I think the fact that, you know, he went to the extremes of one tweeting the picture and then going after people too, like, I mean, like, like we, you, you know who you are. We know who you are. Like, we know that you're an NHL star. Like you got a, like, you got like, a, you had a ridiculous season last season. You know, you're on a really good team. You're still on one of the best lines in the league. And, you know, I feel like going on social media to kind of clown a person and call him a peasant. Like, at first I thought like I thought it was funny. They call him a peasant. But then when you kind of think about it, it's like, did you really need to do that? Like, did that make, did, does that make you feel better? You know, the fact that, you know, every, you know it's on, it's on, you know, sports center. It's, gonna, it's probably going to be on, you know, the top 10 bloopers of the season. I think Steve already did, already put him in his dang it before on, on yep. Sportsnet. Like, you know, like, I don't know if that's, I don't know if that, that the whole goal was to kind of show people like, hey, this doesn't actually bother me. But seeing all that, it just screamed, yeah, it bothered me. And I did this to try to, I guess, deflect some of the, I don't know, I'm, I lack a better choice of word, shame, I guess, embarrassment, whatever it is. But like, you know, there's, there's a reason why you have, to, you have to be aware of who you are, definitely. And, you know, I'm pretty sure like a lot of, a lot of NHL players can go on Twitter and, and pop off on people when, when they get ripped on and they make a mistake. And, you know, I just don't, I don't, I don't think it's worth it. And, you know, I think it's, I don't think it's right to, I guess, try to, you know, put someone down on a personal level. Um, but, you know, that's, now, I guess that's, 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 that's you know, the whole thing. I have a theory on this. Obviously we know what happened between Tuchuk and Cassian and, you know, Tuchuk is basically becoming the, uh, the new villain in the league, so to speak. <clears throat> pulling an Adam Wilde here. I can't talk. My voice is going, but, um, <laughs> And so I'm going to be clearing my throat. I apologize to everyone listening to this. It's going to sound horrible. But my theory is maybe Marshan went to those extremes because he wants to be the villain. He wants to be the league's rat, so to speak. He wants to be that guy. And, you know, he thrives off that. He loves that. But now there's another, you know, cool, younger version of him in town who can put the puck in the net, stir it up, mix it up, you know, not fight, just like Marshan does. And... You know, maybe he was feeling a little bit threatened by a one to Chuck, you know, going after that and stealing that spotlight. Maybe he said, hey, maybe I'll uh, just up the ante a little bit and let everybody know that I'm still here and I'm still the bad guy. Oh, so you're saying that uh, Marshan pulled a, pulled a Bane. It was all part of his plan or, or something. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, can see, I can see that, definitely. I think, I think it, it is very fair to say that Brad Marshan is and has been the villain of the NHL for the longest time, not just not just because of things he does like on the ice, but also off the ice too. And like the little subtle jabs and stuff, you know, when, um, that, you know, we all remember that game against Vancouver where he skated by the bench and kind of did like the fake Stanley cup raise. Um, and you know, uh, what else, you know, like, like the mini spears and stuff, you know, how like he, you know, he was, he was ripping on someone for, for cowering and ducking, but you know, he does that a lot sometimes too. Um, last year in the playoffs where he didn't want to, he didn't talk to Kyle Bukakis and, you know, it's kind of showboating the media a little bit with his one-worded answers. Um, but yeah, yeah, you know, I, I think yeah, that that is possible. I wouldn't be surprised. 
Um, but, you know, I don't think, regardless of what Matthew Kachuk is doing as, as far as being a pest, I don't think I don't think he, he can surpass Marshan as being, like, the true, like, villainous figure in the NHL. And, you know, it's, it's, it's really funny to see how, I guess, he's embracing it. And also, also how the rest of the league is embracing it, too. Like, I remember at the All-Star game last year, uh, Wes McCauley goes over to Marshan ahead of the faceoff. He's like, oh, if I... Uh, they call a penalty on you. I'll get praise and cheers from the crowd. So, like, you know, everyone, everyone's aware. Everyone's aware of uh, what Marchand is, uh, what his role is as a, as a player um, in the room and stuff. And you know, I think, yeah, yeah, you know, he he definitely owns it. He definitely supports it. But, you know, again, I don't I don't think you need to go on social media to uh, to talk talk down to someone like that. No, you don't need to pump your own tires by putting somebody else down. But you know what? It's Brad Marchand. I expect no less. The you know. We all know him as a greasy rat and a greasy little guy, so it's just what he does. He licks people, kisses people, and then spears them in the nuts. So <laughs> oh that's what God, he does, right? <clears throat> oh, dude, that was awesome. That so, was awesome. You know, hey, you know what? If he spat on him, he probably got suspended. Nah, and you know what? It's ridiculous. He should have got suspended for what he did, but that's neither here nor there. That's in the past. You know, Komarov might have liked mm-hmm. it. I don't know. Um, we'll move forward from that one. Uh, we touched on it just a second ago, the Cassian versus Chuck thing. I want to know how you feel about it. For me, I think the, the initial first hit that was thrown on Cassian from the Chuck, I, I think it was uh, pretty greasy. You watch his head whip around. Um, and then to continue to go after him, you know, the entire game, and then basically act like, I don't know why he did it, you know, at the end of the game. Like, I don't know why he came after me. Well, he was policing himself, for one, in my eyes, and then for two, you know, you know, there's a code, right? If you're gonna go after a guy the entire game, at least stand up for yourself. And I mean, I know he ended up getting his team the power play, and that was kind of his job, and they won off of that. But there, I was listening to Spit and Chicklets podcast. And, you know, Wit and and Biz were saying, you know, he should have uh, honored it and, and fought him, but at the same time, he didn't, and they won the game. So I'm wondering how you felt about that hit and the whole situation as a whole, and. Before we jump into that answer from you, you look at the fact that Tuchuk now has a player like Doughty and Cassian. You know, we're talking about Marshan. There's players that don't like Marshan, but this guy here in Tuchuk, he's got guys that absolutely want to do something to this guy. Absolutely hurt him. Coming in scrums and talking about him. He's living rent-free in some guy's head like Doughty and now Zach Cassian. So I'm wondering... How do you feel about the hit, and how do you feel about everything that unfolded afterwards? Yeah, well, I guess for starters, um, I absolutely agree with you, James, and that the first hit was worse. I remember I watched the entire thing, and yeah, I, I didn't like the the first hit just because, like you said, like his head does whoop around. It kind of does look like he makes contact, but like the head isn't the isn't the the primary point of contact, and that's something the NHL is really starting to look uh, trying to look at and, and get rid of. But yeah, I just I really didn't like the the first hit. Even though in the second hit he does come off his off his off wing and then like directly targets him. Um, as far as the as far as whether he needed to fight or whatever, um, I mean it's it's a, it's a really big debate now that's happening. You have a lot of like, the old school and the newest group people talking about it. The boomers. Um, I mean, <laughs> I mean the the fact the fact of the matter is is that you know, uh, Kachuk throws the hit. Cassian rages, throws him around, whoops him around. Kachuk chooses not to fight. Calgary gets the power play. They score. They win the game, right? So I think that's what that's what the the greater the greater focus as far as that that initial 
incident is coming across. And I think when it comes to this entire thing, and, and now, now obviously we know that Cassian's been suspended two games for what he did. And the first um, game back when happened, he gets back is against Calgary. <laughs> mm-hmm, exactly. And, and see, and that, that's what I was going to bring up, is that, you know, obviously, you know, Cassian, you know, she's talking in the media, you know, he's saying that, you know, he doesn't regret it. You know, he'd do it again. You know, you know, he felt like he needed to stand up for himself. You know, you know, he's in his right for sure, definitely. You know, if you feel like you're being targeted, and you know the refs, you feel like the refs aren't taking care of you, then you know, and you want to take it upon yourself to do so. Then, by all means. But I think, I think what's going to happen now is that, and Mike Johnson on um, on Leafs lunch, I believe he was he was on. He was talking about this um with uh. I, Oh, I don't. I forgot who he was talking about. He was on Leaf lunch, Leafs lunch, and they were talking about the entire incident. And I agree with a lot, of, with a lot with what he said in that. You know, Kachuk has been this type of player for the longest time. I think that's why Dowdy hates him so much, is because he does his stuff, but he doesn't really want to fight back. You know, he throws his hits, doesn't want to fight because he wants to give his give his team give his team the the power play or, or the advantage, whatever his momentum, blah blah blah. But what's gonna happen now? And I think it's kind of gonna start going at least as far as Edmonton and and Calgary games is going to kind of start going to that old school mentality of okay, like Cassian might like go by the bench and be like, hey, you know, Kachuk's gonna Kachuk keeps targeting me. He doesn't want to fight, so if he keeps targeting me, Gaudreau's getting it or Monahan's getting it, and then other people are going to start doing it. After the Luchis will come up and okay, fine, you touch him, McDavid's getting it or Drysaddle's getting it. Or Hopkins get it, yeah. is getting it. You know what I mean? And then it's going to end up being like this. Yeah, then it's going to end up being like this indirect domino effect of I'm, you got my guy, I'm going to get your guy. You got my guy, I'm going to get your guy. So I think, so, you know, I guess our opinions on it don't, don't, doesn't really matter. I guess it depends on how Kachuk wants to handle it. And I think I don't think he's going to change. You know, it's, it's part of his game. It's, it's part of what makes him a good player. He agitates, he tries to get people off his game. He gives his team power plays, and they capitalize on them. They have, they have the skill to do that. But, you know, I think slowly, if he, if he continues to do this and doesn't really want to step up for it, you know, eventually it's going to get to the point where, you know, maybe his teammates might start getting targeted. And then, you know, if you have, like, Gaudreau and Monaghan, like, coming to Kachuk and Walker and be like, hey, you know, you know, Chucky, like, you know, I'm getting killed out here. <laughs> like, you know, like help me out or help me out or, or, or something. But I don't know. It's going to be really interesting to see that first game back because, you know, I, I, you know, some players do know when they have to fight, you know, in, in air quotes. I remember, I forgot who it was, but I remember Malkin uh, took someone out and gave him a concussion with a high hit. Um, and then that first game he came back, like Malkin just looked at him and then dropped the gloves at them. And then, you know, it wasn't like a fight, you know, Malkin's not a fighter. But then when they asked him about it afterwards, he's like, you know, like, I know that I, I took him out. I had to answer for it, whatever. I think Paul Byron did the same thing um, last year. He uh, he got someone high in, in Florida. I forgot who it was, but, uh, he, you know, he got someone high. They were out with a concussion, and they came back, and after he dropped the gloves with them, even though it was a completely unfair match because, you know, you know, Paul Byron isn't the biggest guy, you yeah. know, but he felt like he needed to fight him just to kind of, you know, just be, you know, you know, this happens, so I'm gonna I'm gonna answer for it. Um, yeah. So it just comes down to, I guess, what your definition of accountability is. If you feel that you know to make amends for what happened, you need to drop the gloves. Do so. If you don't feel like you need to get, you, you, if you don't feel like you need to make amends for what you did, then by all means, that that's you know that's your right. You know, because you know whether we like it or not, you know Matthew Kachuk, he's a member of the Calgary Flames. Like he doesn't need to, I guess, make someone on Edmonton Oilers feel better. Or, or whatever. So it just depends on, you know, how he wants to deal with the backlash that's going to come. Because now there's, like, really intense. Like, it's not just, like, competitive 
this stage, there's like hatred building up. And just like you said, you know, Chuck already has like a, a resume of having players who like really, really, really don't like him. So I think you just have to weigh all the different things that are happening. But, you know, whether he had to fight, whether he fought, whatever, whatever, whatever that, that that's in his right, he chose not to fight. You know, you don't have to fight. It's not like how it was before where you throw off, throw a fight like that. If you have to fight, you don't, you don't fight. You're probably out of the league. You know, it's, it's a different game now. So, you know, fighting as a whole is, is a choice. And, you know, Kachuk felt that he didn't need to fight. He didn't fight. So we'll see what happens on that next game. But I do know that, like, you want to talk about ratings, like, everyone's watching that game. And it kind of reminds me, um, uh, I remember back when, like, the Leafs and the Canucks, they had that, um, they had that, all that beef happening. Oh, you know, where Kadri like laid out to Sadine. Kadri took out Sadine, and then I think Riley and um, Riley got into it with someone. Um, and then Matt Martin, uh, Matt Martin, Alex Gabranson. I think Gabranson said that he was dead. Like, when he, when well, he, uh, because uh, Martin fought uh, Miller, the goalie. I think it was yeah, Ryan yeah, Miller or yeah. whatever. No, he um, cause, no, because Martin went out, went after uh, one of the rookies, I think, and then Miller came out. And then after then, you know, like Miller and Martin kind of got into it. Um, but yeah, like, so after that, the game after that, everyone was looking forward to how that was going to go. But, you know, the, the league talked to, talked to them about it, talked to the players, talked to the coaching staff, made the refs aware, you know, to be highly, you know, to be, uh, you know, I guess highly, uh, you know, in- attentive to what's going on. Well, that's what's going to um, happen I, this I game. Think, this yeah, game is exactly, gonna, the yeah, refs I are going to be hypervigilant. Absolutely, yeah. So, you know, I think even though we're, we're expecting a big things, I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up being like, you know, intense but kind of tame. However, it could also go on the other end where, you know, we start seeing bodies being thrown left and right. Um, you know, and considering how angry uh, Cassian was and still seems to be about it, I wouldn't be surprised if it gets a little chaotic. <laughs> well, the game we'll definitely all be waiting to watch for sure. But another thing we are waiting to see is something that was very, um, for me, was exciting to hear announced. And I can't wait to see it play out. It's the uh, the All-Star game where they're having, you know, Team Canada versus Team USA. Uh, I guess they're making up their own kind of jerseys for it. Um, you know, this looks pretty awesome and would be something that I think you're going to see these uh, gals go out and go 150%. You know, it's not going to be like the the men that go out and basically are just having fun ripping the puck around. I think the, they're going to go out and show why the women's game is something everyone should watch. And I'm very excited for this, but I'm wondering, for from your perspective, what do you feel? Do you, do you feel that uh, this should be something that is at the game, which, you know, obviously everyone does, but I'm wondering, should it be the focal point? Because we all know what the All-Star game is, and over the years we all kind of you know lose our interest in it because we're no longer a little kid getting excited for it. Um, I'm wondering what your thoughts are here, because this is a, a new element that basically could draw eyeballs for one, and for two, it looks like it's going to be wicked to watch yeah i mean like when i first saw that tweet like the first thing that came to my mind was like yeah let's go like, let's do it like that's that's sick now i have a reason to watch the all-star game and i don't know if if like obviously you know growing the growing the game and bringing bringing women into the into the game you know like there's been a slow progression of that obviously it hasn't been as fast as many would like would like it to be especially me yeah but you know i think it's really awesome for them to, you know for them to be pushing this and and getting getting all these women out out here to play and i think that's awesome it's great and like you said it's definitely going to be competitive it's not going to be like you know like how how the how the, the, the middle players are they just show up and you know they take their they take their pictures they do their skills competition after they just you know glide up and down the ice like it's going to be competitive it's going to be awesome and like i'm i'm honestly it's it's really cool 
to see how the NHL is trying to trying to you know bring bring the, the female presence into the game even more and more, and you know not even just as like in the in in the background in air quotes. Now I know by all means I'm not saying that you know the women's roles in, in hockey is is diminishing or whatever, but like you know from what we've seen like for example like you know Sammy Gronzo, um you know how she's like the she's going to be um a pro coach uh, scouts or rather for the new Seattle team that's awesome. You know, Casey Campbell I believe she uh, she calls games in Florida in um. For Calgary, Haley Wickenheiser, you know she's with the Leafs now. Um, um on that on that uh, skills training staff was just an inducted into the Hall, Hockey Hall of Fame. Kendall Coyne last year she took shot it over, out of a can. She, she, oh, well, what was it, like fourteen point three six seconds or whatever. I think so. Yeah. Like, she blew that. I I like literally I didn't watch the game, and then I saw that and I was like, man, I should I wish I saw that. Because just watching it live, like watching the crowd just like scream when they saw her time go up, like it was awesome. I think that that's what you want. And I know we, we make a lot of Steve Dangle connections, but like one thing that Adam Wilde continue, continues to say, and honestly, it really it really touches me because I have I have a lot of like younger siblings who are girls who like hockey, and I think something he always says is that you know you, what you want is you want that moment where a little girl is. You know, who has thoughts about playing hockey, about growing up in hockey, can look at the TV screen, see a Kendall Coyne beating out Clayton Keller for the fastest skater. Um, you can see an, like an, an Amanda Kessel drive down the wing and snipe a goal in front of everyone and have them, have them screen. You want you want them to be able to see that, see that, and be like, I want to be that. I want to be her. I no, want to do definitely. that. And I think, and, and so you want to have those, want to have those role models, those those people, those people who can show that you know it doesn't have to be guys versus girls. It's just hockey. Yeah. You know, it's just hockey. Let everyone play. And even though, like you know, the NHL tries tries to say that hockey is for every, hockey is for everyone, hockey is for everyone. But you know, I think, and especially in the last year or so, like we've seen, we've heard of a lot of stories that are kind of are kind of tainting that message a little bit. And I think that there needs to be more active movements to to really reinforce that that hockey is for everyone. Well, I want to ask it you, you know, to build on that thought, the NHL bringing the women's game to the all-star game and putting it on and you know like we said it's going to be very competitive is this the nhl using this as a barometer to dip their toe into the water to see if they are going to you know enter the foray of having a you know basically partnership with a women's league to help build it or actually just taking the reins and saying okay we are now going to build this league we'll operate at a loss will use the, you know, whatever, the biggest financial getters in the NHL, the Torontos, Montreal, Chicago's, New York's, you name it, the Boston's, and will have a female league and start building it from there. Is this their foray into dipping the toe into the water and finally basically getting off their hands and doing something about it and building something so young girls have a league of their own to look towards, to build towards, and like you said, stars in their own element to look up to not only at the Olympics but as an actual hey I can go this and it can be a viable form of you know a life not just going and playing and then having to work a job and getting to practice once or twice here which is the stories you hear now you know I'm wondering if this is the NHL testing the waters to see what happens and I'm wondering what your thoughts are there yeah, absolutely. I, I hope I hope it's more of the latter, like your fear of the latter of your first point in that the NHL are just saying, you know what, we're doing this. We're bringing women's hockey into, into our 
umbrella into our network, whatever you want to call it, and we're we're going to be doing this. I hope it's not like a, hey, you know what, let's put some women's hockey in the All-Star game and see how it goes, and if people like it, yeah, we'll do it. If people don't like it, then we'll just keep things there, or, uh, as, as the way it is. I hope it's not that. I hope it's, I hope that it's the NHL actively taking a stand and saying, you know what, we need this. This is this is great. This is great. A great way to to build hockey, to, to to build interest, to build dreams. I think that's really important too, because just like what you said, you want to have someone a little or young girl who says, "Hey, I want to be a, I want to be a professional hockey player," and you don't want that that point that dream to be met with like apprehensive stares or like, "Oh yeah, that that's that's good. Are you sure? Are you sure you want to do that? Maybe have a plan B, right? Because you don't see that. You don't see that in boys." Right. Or when you do see them, boys, it's not it's not about like whether you're a boy or a girl, it's about like skill level. Right. You want to you want to have you want to you know, put that foundation set such that if a young girl wants to wants to you know be a professional hockey player, one, they have models, they have people they can look up to and two, they can see that it's possible. I think that's big, and I hope I hope that's what the NHL is doing with this, and, and you know how it goes one from just you know having having a female players in the All Star game last year to having their own game, and I hope it just continues to build and they do something and they're active about this because it's 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 you know we, we can't be complacent anymore. They can't be complacent no. anymore, and mm-hmm. they, and I really think the fact that you know. Uh, you know, a lot of these these female hockey players who have wanted to play, and you know, they're they're making like what twenty thousand dollars a year, and they have to do all these extra extra jobs just so they can they can play the play the game they love. I, I think it's ridiculous. I think it's crazy, and I really think that I really hope that the NHL is taking an active step into into creating something for their own, so such that these women can have a place to play. No, that's what it's looking like to me, and <clears throat> I do agree. I hope it is the latter of what I said. I do hope they're getting off their hands and deciding, this is it, we're making a league, we're going to make it happen. Maybe, maybe we'll get an announcement uh, either at the All-Star Game or at the end of the season or something, but hopefully there's something in the pipeline where they stand up and, and Gary Batman or whoever whoever from the NHL stands up and says. I hope it's not a press release. I hope it is a big to-do, a big announcement, you know, with everything set up and ready to rock and roll, maybe logos or whatever. Just get everybody excited. And and what I use as a barometer right now is here in Halifax, we just got the Halifax Thunderbirds, and they did it right. They absolutely introduced it to everyone. They showed everybody what it was, did all the marketing right, did everything to a T, and those teams... The, the Thunderbirds are partners sell out every night, and it's just amazing. So, I mean, <clears throat> if you can get this rolling properly, especially in the big markets, and you promote it the right way and set it up that it's going to succeed, you will see the fans come out, you will see the support, and like you've said, there are so many young women and little, you know, little girls right now who want to play hockey, but they look to the stars and what's put in front of their face all the time is the Connor McDavid, the Austin Matthews, you know, the big name players of the NHL. Would it not be great to have some women role models to look up to, not only on the Olympic stage, like we said. So yes, I hope they get it going. They got to get their hands, you know, into this and get working on it because the longer you wait, the further it sets everything back. So if you start now, it could be a very viable product, I think, within five years. So NHL, wake the hell up. Yeah, literally. Just do something. Also, so, so, so down to see Natalie Spooner just light light it up that night. Oh my God, God, yes. 
Oh, she's so sick. <laughs> she's so sick. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, it's going to be an awesome thing. And again, you know, I'm hoping that this isn't just something they use to draw eyeballs to the All-Star game. I'm hoping it's more than that. And I think that it is, but we'll have to wait and see. Something I'm wondering from you, we haven't talked about the Toronto Maple Leafs in a very long time. How are you now feeling about the Toronto Maple Leafs this season? We all went through the humdrum that was the Babcock beginning of the season, but now it seems to be we've turned it around. There's concerns, there's injuries, there's issues, but it's a fun team to watch, and we're right now as we speak in a playoff position. How do you feel, Omar? Where are you at? Um, I feel feel good about the team. Um, mostly because I, I really like what Sheldon Keefe has done in the sense that he's letting he's letting the players play and he's letting them be creative and he's letting them use their offense. And it was something that I that always drove me nuts with Mike Babcock is that he was very experience is good, but experience can also keep you complacent. And what I mean by that is that you know, because Babcock had a way of doing things, and you, you can always tell, like, when he was in front of the media, that he was very, like, you know, I've been here before, I've done this, I know it works, I don't have to explain to you why it works, it'll work, you'll see. You know what I mean? And I think, you know, he, he's had he's had his moments where, like, you know, they have worked. Zach Hyman, Zach Hyman's a good player, right? You know, he's a good player. But at the, at the same time, there are other things that he was just so set against, and it was because of his experience that he just wouldn't, be open to doing it and i remember like the in the big thing especially after last game is matthews and marner playing together yeah why did it take this long why did it take this long they've been in the organization you know matt you know marner got drafted in in, in uh 15 and matthews got drafted in the 16 they both but they've been both playing together in the nhl since the 16 17 season why has it taken this long for them to play together and i remember every single time you know, Babcock would be asked about it. He'd say the same thing. He'd be like, I coached a guy named, I, don't, I coached a guy, I don't know if you heard of him, Pavel Datsuk. You know, and he said, you know, he wanted to hold on to the puck a lot, and he didn't like it when there were too many people on the same line that held the puck a lot. So, you know, Matthews and Marner are good players, but we're going to keep them on different lines. Like, that makes absolutely no sense. Yeah, what his I thing was, too, Babcock. he also said that, you know, he likes, uh, he said that Marner can drive a line and Matthews can drive a line, and he's like, would I rather have two lines going or would I rather have one line going? And he's like, you pick, guys. You pick. You know, so that, yeah, I know like, what you're saying. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, dude, like, okay. But at the same time, like, you can't just try it. And then when he would try it, who does he put on the left? Matt Martin. And plus Matt Martin. But come on, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, so, so like, I, I guess now, now that Sheldon Keefe is here, and another thing, too, is that, you know, all the time we speculated on whether Kyle Dubas and Mike Babcock, you know, whether they saw the same way or they didn't see the same way. They absolutely did not see the same way at no. all. Because I think what's happening now is Kyle Dubas is finally like, is like finally. Like now he, now he can, he can have his ideas. He can, you know, he can have the players that he acquired play the way that he felt they should play. You know, he didn't acquire these players to be shut down you know, you score one goal and then lock things down, 95 Devils, you're not getting into the zone. Like, that's that's not what this team was built on. This team is built on skill, mobility, Well, that's like the same with, uh, with Tyson Berry. You have Tyson Berry for a freaking year, and what are you doing with him? 
You're you're turning him into or trying to turn him into a defensive defenseman, make him more defensively sound in his own zone. Hey, you have him for a year. Use him for his strength, which is hey the power play, which was struggling. Why not toss him on there? And then Sheldon Keefe comes to town and bing bing bing. Oh my God, he's scoring goals and looking like the Tyson Berry of old. And does he have defensive flaws? Well, yeah, but name me an offensive defenseman that doesn't have a few defensive flaws. Eric Carlson gets turnstiled all the time. P.K. Subban gets lost in position. It happens. But you know what? You you have them on your team because they're the riverboat gamblers. And we had one ourselves, and we sent him to Carolina, which was Jake Gardner. So, I mean, we've always had it. So let the guy play to his strengths. Jesus Murphy. It was, it was insane that it took that long for us to be able to see the Tyson Berry, and everybody was like, oh, this trade's a wash. Or not a wash, this trade's horrible. You know, we lost Nazem Kadri, and we, we gained Kerfoot, who's got a broken jaw and can't play, and now Tyson Berry sucks. It's like, oh, my God. If you only put these guys in the right spot, you'd see what they can do. And that's another thing I wanted to ask you about, is Mike Babcock was huge on no skills training through the season no skills development through the season that's what you do in the summer on your own time is what he said and when Sheldon Keefe came it was hey guess what defense and goalies on one side and offensive players on the other we're working on skill drills today and everybody was just like what and there's music playing you mean we're allowed to be fun and loose and have fun this is weird absolutely absolutely and another thing too is that like and, and this was this isn't only about hockey. This is about like just life as a whole. You know, they always they always tell you, you know, when you have strengths and weaknesses. Yeah, sure, it's good to it's good to work on your on your weaknesses. You know, to improve them, hopefully change that into a strength. But it's also good to work on your strengths because then you can make those strengths even better or enhance them. Look at Austin Matthews. First year, he was just you know just you know that ridiculous wrist shot, and now he's deflecting pucks and slapping you know clappers from the blue line. You know, clappers from the from the faceoff dot. Like he's evolved his goal scoring so much, and it's it's crazy. He's and, gonna score know, the not, Michigan goal. Saying, oh, hundred. He's gonna score that goal. Do you goal. see how? For, do you see Forsberg do it? Like a couple days ago. Yep. A hundred percent. He's doing it. A hundred and fifty percent. If he gets another opportunity, oh, that's oh yeah. I guess I guess that's another thing I like to catch. Um, because it's happened I think either two or three times where Matthews has been like behind the net and he's thought about it. And then he just keeps going. Or one time he actually kind of tried to do it, but then he couldn't settle the puck down a little bit. But yeah, they, they, yeah, the Michigan goal from Austin Matthews is coming. It's going to be hilarious. Oh, he's going to do it. It's going to be in one of the biggest like moments. Nothing. I oh, hope yeah, it's against yeah, the Boston like, Bruins in the playoffs, and he just tucks it underneath Rask's head and just looks daggers at Marshan and gives him the air lick or something. James, you're, talk- you're talking about a possible moment that will indeed destroy Twitter. Oh man, Twitter would have a Twitter virtual would meltdown. Every, every device, every device is connected to Twitter would blow up at that moment. Oh my god, it would be hilarious. <laughs> Tucks that in, just looks at oh. Marshan, does the, the air lick, and keeps skating. <laughs> exactly, but uh, but yeah, yeah. So so going back, going back to the skills thing, it's like you know, like he's it's it's good to work on your strengths because then you can make those even better. So you know, going back to the Leafs as a whole, obviously, obviously they have their issues. They have their, you know, they have their mistakes and stuff. But um, and you know, can they tighten up defensively? Yeah, sure. But you can say the same thing about everyone else. That's what I was gonna say. So Name right me a team I'm, that doesn't have a flaw. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like, I'm not like, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sit here and you know, and, and break down every single play or or you know, look at how poor, poor they're in, in certain instances. For me right now, 
you know, they're winning games and they're and they're trying to look confident. Especially the like one of the things that disappointed me the most about the Florida game is not necessarily the score, is the fact that they didn't care. Yeah. They literally were just skating around they didn't care. And I'm like, no, 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 no. That's how they looked in the beginning of the season when they were still under underneath the the wrath of Mike Babcock. This isn't this isn't the Leafs now. This is an energetic team, a team that jumps, a team that flies, a team that wants to play, a team that wants to score, that wants to create, that wants to do things in the offensive zone, that want to help each other, work for each other, support each other. This isn't the Toronto Maple Leafs at all. So for me, even though you know, John Tavares said it perfectly, saying you know it's not a write-off, we have to, we have to work on that. For me, that's a complete write-off. Just because that's not that is not the Toronto Maple Leafs, and I, re- I refuse to refer to that team that went into Florida that Sunday night as the Toronto Maple Leafs. They were. I yeah, like I said know, in my prediction season video, Wednesday, you need like, to put that in a yeah. box and throw it away. Absolutely, absolutely. You know what I mean? And you know, so so for me right now, you know, I'm I'm loving the energy, I'm loving the creativity, I'm loving how everyone generally looks that they want to play for each other and they want and they want each other to, to be better. I love Rasmus Sandin. Yes. I wait until he changes his number because I know he's not staying at 38. I love Rasmus Sandin. I love the confidence. I love the poise. I also love another thing uh, I really like about Rasmus Sandin is that, you know, when you look at, like, Barry and, and Riley, you know, Barry's always trying to take slap shots from the point. Riley's always trying to get, like, that quick wrister that kind of goes through people. And if it does hit someone, then whatever. Whereas Sandin... Like, you know, he takes his shots, but he takes his shots with a purpose that are typical. You know what I mean? And it, it, it really did remind me of, of, of a lot of the good things that Jay Gardner did when he was along the blue line. He did that a lot, too, where he wouldn't necessarily shoot shoot on net. He would shoot for so someone could have opportunities to deflect a puck or maybe it bounces off someone. And I like that. I like that he, he, you know, he's very confident. He comes up. He has his head up. He has his head up the whole time. He looks and looks and waits and waits. And wait, and then when he see when he sees something he can work with, then he then he sends it over. And I love that. I love how much everyone everyone you know gets excited for him. I love his relationship with Nylander. I think they're hilarious on the bench together. <laughs> they just like they look up at the screen and they're watching you watching each other's highlights. You know what I mean? Um, oh, what else? Pierre Engvall. Yes. Has, I oh my god, that the neck on him is ridiculous. But he's a such a good player. You know the fact that this guy was just chilling in the minors. It's the beginning of the season, and then they called him up, and he's looked amazing in like in every single role. Maybe not so much last game, but I think you know it's it's up. It's um the the competition kind of goes up. You know when you're playing in the top six versus the versus the bottom six. You know, but in every single role he's played in thus far, especially on the penalty kill, he's looked amazing. He for one, he's one person in particular who I feel really encompasses what Sheldon Keith wants to do as far as um puck possession on the on the penalty kill. Where he'll literally just like skate, skate in a circle, like he'll take the puck. It'll seem like he's about to break out, and then just like circle back and kind of just wait. I think he really embodies that as well. You know, he has size, he has speed. His skating's a little, a little off, you know, but it still works for him. You know, he, he's good offensively. He doesn't make too many mistakes defensively. Stands up for goals for his goaltender. That was awesome. Um, freaking who was it? Was it was it uh, was it Coleman or was it Wood who uh? Who, uh, who clipped Freddie? It was one of those two. Either way, but you know, so it's just like every every you know every little thing that every little I guess new thing that's come up has seemed to work. Adam Brooks, I know he's probably going to go down to uh, probably going to go down to the minors once um once Trevor Moore is back, but he's looked phenomenal. He's looked great. Freddie the goat's a sniper. <laughs> you know, so goat like, power, so baby, goat ass- power. Oh my god, the road to fifty. But um, <laughs> and, 
and for me, for me, I think the I think the biggest the biggest thing between Babcock and and Keith is the treatment of Jason Spezza. Yep. Jason Spezza did not deserve any of the crap that he got in the beginning of the season. And I love that now he has the opportunity to create and be an offensive player. Jason Spezza has never been and never will be a shutdown fourth-line penalty killer. That's not him. That is not him. And that's the big difference between the Babcock Leafs and the Sheldon Keith Leafs. Mike hey, Babcock you know what? He's quietly putting together a 40-point season. You know, he's on exactly. pace for 40 points. On your third-line center, out of a guy you're paying 700 K four, come on! Like, come on, exactly, come on! Like, that's crazy. But like, what Babcock would do? Babcock looks at you and says, "Hey, this is what your role is, and if you want to play on this team, this is what you're going to do. And if you don't want to do that, say hi to Frankie Corrado in the in the press box." Yeah. Whereas Sheldon Keith, he kind of recognize, he kind of looks at you, recognizes, you know, what your skills are, what you can do, and then puts you in those positions to succeed. And I do think that I do think there's a lot of dialogue between him and Dubis. As far again, because you know, Dubis put the, all these players together to, for them to play a certain way. So I do think there's a lot of back and forth talk as to you know what kind of roles you suggest. By no means am I saying Dubis is saying you know do this with Engvall, do this with Spezza, do this with Barry, do this with Timoshov. But I think there is there's a happy dialogue between the two. Well, no, it's just, end- it goes back to the fact that he's worked with Sheldon Keefe for so long with the Sioux Greyhounds, yes, the AHL, the NHL. They have that relationship. They understand what each other expect. And they also look at players, at least the way I see it, the same way. They look at the same kind of uh, tempo game. He knows what Sheldon Keefe wants, and he knows what kind of players they have in the organization. That's why Pierre Ingvall has stuck. That's why, you know, Brooks has come up. That's why, you know, Goche is in and out, because he knows what he can bring in certain nights and certain situations. He's had his fingerprints on a lot of these guys already with the Marlies, so he knows what he has, and he knows what he can use. And a guy like Spezza, he knows that, you know, he did get a fair shake at the beginning of the season, but he's given him one now. And the thing that made me really happy is what he did with Kerfoot when he played in Colorado is he put him on the ice for the first face-off and did things that were special. There was another player, too. I think it was Hall or, or someone who got into the lineup it because was, uh, it was Brooks. a hometown. It was Brooks. Brooks. Brooks, Brooks yeah. against uh, the Jets. He, uh, he, he started them on the ice. Yeah, so it's those little things that, that speak volumes. And you understand from an organizational standpoint why they did it, and you understand now they are moving forward. Because Mike Babcock, like it or not, he was the captain of this team. He was basically the de facto general manager because if he didn't like a guy, he would just sit him and make them rot. I mean, come on, look at last year. Justin Hall is now a defenseman who is going to be getting $2 million a year, looks great when he's paired with the right guy, but he was sitting in the press box last year. So obviously there was a huge chasm of a disconnect between the GM and the coach and all the sniping in the media last year from Babcock and everybody trying to downplay it. No, Babcock knew what he was doing. He was trying to create a narrative that he wasn't given the right tools and he was trying to make Dubas look like he was an incompetent GM. Well, newsflash, he's not not and to anyone on twitter who listens to this and thinks that kyle dubas is a bad gm you're fooling yourself is he gonna make you know rookie mistakes well yes but that's all part of learning and if you've watched sheldon keith with anything that he's done with kyle dubas is they've learned from their mistakes and they've gotten better they've gone on and won They've gone on and done great things. So if you can learn from your mistakes and grow from them, which Babcock obviously could not, 
then you're heading in the right direction. And I'm not worried about the Leafs anymore this year. I do believe we'll be in the playoffs. And if we play Tampa first round, wee, it's going to be fun because there's a whole lot of goal scorers <laughs> on the ice. So oh, go yeah. ahead and play your 9-8 game. Every game. single game is 8-6. <laughs> yeah. So before we wrap up, we're we're almost at an hour, man. We, we it feels like we just started, but before we wrap up, because I know people's attention span sometimes is not the greatest. You know, I want to get your prediction. Where do the Leafs finish, and how deep are we going this year? Just in case we don't get to talk. Um. So I think the Leafs are going to finish exactly where they are. Unfortunately, I think they're going to be in a playoff spot, but it's going to be um in the third hole in the Atlantic Division. Um. As far as they go, like ah, like it always sucks when you get these uh, when you get these like kind of questions because your mind is telling you something, but your heart's telling you something else. So like my heart is telling me third round, but my head is telling me second. I do think they will get out of the first round regardless of who they face, whether it's Tampa or Boston. Um, but the the thing is that the Metro is scary once again. Like Pittsburgh, I don't know what the heck they have going on there, but they're going on a run. Malkin went Super Saiyan, and then Crosby came back and said, "No, I'll show you Super Saiyan." And got four points in his first game. You know, um, it's like you know, Washington's still a good team. The Islanders, you know, they're you know even you know as much as people want to you know make uh, make fun of them, you know they're very very well coached. You know, watch what you're talking offense. about. <laughs> but like, come on, oh, you know what? Islanders. Oh, here it needs to shake out like this, okay? I know it's not going to happen yeah. because Montreal's falling off a cliff, but you need Toronto, Montreal, round one, two, three seeds yeah. play each other. Then you need to face the Boston Bruins and Slay the Beast in the second round. In the third round, you need to play the New York Islanders and defeat them, rubber or real snakes and all on the ice. And then you need to go to the Stanley Cup Finals and beat the Vancouver Canucks just because it would be fun to do so. Or even the Nazem Kadri-led Colorado Avalanche in the final. Leafs oh, I couldn't. Avalanche. Oh, God. I could not survive that. That's I, the way the playoffs so need to shake out this year. It's not going to happen because, like I said about the Habs, but just imagine. Mm-hmm. Those are storylines for days in each series. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, the, and the thing is, the, thing, the one thing I love about the playoffs that there's always the Disney team. Yep. You know, the team that, like, you know, they, they, just, they just channel that, like, we're, we're not, we are not losing, we are not getting knocked out. You know, last year was Carolina. Year that. <laughs> you know, I, that's, I think Carolina's winning the Cup. They're, they're, they're my pick from, um, from day one. No, you know what, and I, I don't like to say first. this, because we're in the same division, and we'll probably play them first round, but I feel it is Tampa's year. They took their foot off the gas at the beginning of the year. Their foot's now firmly on the pedal. They're going pedal to the metal now. They're racking up points. They're putting up wins. They're looking good again. I think they just realized that, hey, we don't need to be gang beaters the entire year. We can just cool off a little bit. And, hey, we'll turn it on, and we'll be ready for the playoffs, and we'll be better for it. And I think that's what's going to happen. No, it's okay. We'll just get Freddie to go to like Ryan Callahan, and we'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, Omar, it is amazing watching your gifts. It is amazing following you. I'm so Thank happy you. for your success. I hope it keeps booming and getting bigger. And I hope I get to have you back on sooner than basically two years. So uh, I, I appreciate <laughs> you swinging by, my friend. And uh, we will talk soon. And as always, it's go Leafs go. All right, 
Absolutely. Yeah, thanks for having me on.